about all them wars all over the place? You call them wonderful? And how about hunger and pollution? They ain't so wonderful either. But how about listening to old pops for a minute? Seems to me it ain't the world that's so bad, but what we're doing to it and all I'm saying is see what a wonderful world it would be if only we'd give it a chance. You're listening to KUCI 88.9 FM in Irvine, California. The views on this show are not necessarily the views of KUCI, UCI, or its Board of Regents. To learn more about our programs, log on to KUCI.org. My name is Ann. You're listening to Operation Community Stimulus. We're going to be sharing some interesting information with our listeners today. By, uh, from Pamela Donnelly, she wrote a book called How to Be an A-Plus Parent. It's a proven path to your teen's success. And I think you uh, listeners will find this very interesting. Thank you so much, Pamela, for um, this information you're going to share today. Well, we, we are, are you, um, your, book, your book title begs the question, is there such a thing as an A-Plus parent? outside of themselves. So we have to begin by saying we don't want to let our teens necessarily um, apply the grades to us. Indeed, it's our hearts that are engaged. And when they're engaged at a high level, uh, that's what I describe as an A-plus parent. And the book really breaks down four particular aspects of what I'm calling the four marathons of parenting teens. So, you know, if we can engage with each of these races for independence, um, I think we can do that with a lot of love and a lot of care. And I think that deserves an A-plus, don't you? I absolutely think we do. I think we need a lot of A-plus parents out there. You, <laughs> you got my vote for that one. <laughs> well, you know, your background includes a summa cum laude a degree in secondary education from Columbia University. That's, that's impressive. <laughs> and how does your Ivy League training inform the way you approach your subjects here? You know, um, in some ways it does because the book is sort of a combination of an education manual and also a parenting manual. Um, so I would have to say that, uh, you know, having graduated Columbia was a wonderful place for me to learn my skills as an educator and to, uh, you know, understand the way, for example, the teenage brain develops over the course of time and how knowing these things can really help parents uh, be maybe more patient and also uh, giving them strategies that can help them excel. But being a mother of three daughters, um, I, think, I think that's the biggest degree I've ever gotten is just, you know, uh, not to be glib, but surviving, you know. Uh, raising children is such a noble experiment, and I just really want to, I want to, you know, take my hat off to every parent listening and hmm. say, I commend our bravery as we go into these trenches. It is the greatest, um, I think, the greatest degree we could ever hope to earn. No, I raised three kids, and I said it's the best, hardest job I ever had. <laughs> there, there you go. There you yeah, go. Yeah, and, and well, you know, let's, let's talk a little bit about this four marathons that you describe. What are the four marathons? Okay, well, <laughs> you know, it's, it's funny if we think about a marathon, because we know this is 26.2 miles. And I don't know, Anne, have you ever run a marathon? 
No, but you know what? I have volunteered to help um, lead the way with the marathons, and I told the group that I helped, I said, next year I'm going to be on the other side. I think that's where the healthy people are at. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, I had an interesting experience this last year. My 14-year-old daughter, my second daughter, Lily, ran the L.A. Marathon, oh. and she completed it. And, of course, I was very proud of her. And I was that mom on the sidelines holding up the sign saying, the end is near, and I drew a little picture of the Grim Reaper to try to make it funny. <laughs> and I stood at, like, the 24-mile marker to encourage mm -hmm. her on those last few miles. Um, but the, the marathons, um, I've never run one myself, but, but I think um, having been a marathon mom was part of what inspired just the, the format of the way this book took shape. So the four marathons are these. We've got to run the race for, first of all, physical independence. We want our teens to physically individuate, and that's a normal, healthy process. Um, but in addition to the physical independence, there's the race for emotional independence, there's also a race going on for cognitive independence. We want them to be able to think independently. And then, of course, spiritual independence mm -hmm. uh, component, which is just absolutely critical to what I'm sure we all agree as parents is the point of this, which is we want our young people to grow up with a sense of joy and purpose in their lives. And school is a vehicle to that, right? School isn't... Mm -hmm. The, the, the be-all, end-all school is a vehicle to get us to the joy, the purpose, and hopefully um, contributing uh, to the community. I love the name of your show, by the way. I think it's all about uh, community, and parents binding together can really get a lot accomplished. No, I think, I think that we need, um, we need as much help as we can, society, don't we? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I, I couldn't agree more, but we've got so many wonderful parents. I meet parents every day. And I have to tell you, it's, it's such a, a privilege and a joy to see the, the sincerity with which they approach this. Um, I know, you know, you and I uh, had a chat just recently, and, and this topic came up about helicopter parents. <laughs> and, of course, this is a trending idea. What is a helicopter parent? And my thought on that was, of course, that this is such a, a pejorative, such a negative way to describe this idea of a hovering parent, the overly involved parent. Oh, my gosh, it's, it's so easy, isn't it, just to say, oh, you know, it's too much, and back off. And, and yet, when you are that parent, and you love deeply, and you've carried this child in your womb, and you remember that first lost tooth under the pillow, and you remember, you know, every scraped knee on a bike, and the entire journey that you've taken with this young person is there, um, I understand why parents, um, you know, struggle to find appropriate levels of dependence and independence. Honestly, that was a big part of why um, I, I thought the book was necessary. Um, it, I wanted to share my expertise. You know, I've been an educator for 20 years. I've been a mother for 26 now. My oldest daughter, Hannah, is uh, out of college, and uh, she runs a national nonprofit, and I'm very proud of the work oh. that she's doing in the world. So I have to say, it's, you know, mm. we're, all, mm -hmm. we're, all, we're all in the same race together, and mm -hmm. I've got my running shoes on right next to the rest of you, and we're just running, we're just running, <laughs> you know, we're just out here running, and uh, we can keep each other company, and I, I try to really um, keep that sense of humor as I go through some very important information in the book. Well, you know, you you really nailed it as far as, as some of the, I, when I read in your book to let your children make mistakes, encourage them if not, and that was a, that was my helicopter, I was a helicopter parent, my oldest is in his 40s, and um, I wish that I had had a book like yours, I really do. 
very, very kind of you. You know, it's interesting because, you know, if we think about 40 years ago and the different experts mm-hmm. who had parenting manuals out, of course, most of them were uh, PhD doctor males, you know. So what I love is in the current marketplace, we have all these wonderful diverse ideas and a lot of them coming from mothers. And I think that, um, you know, there's a slightly different tone, um, and not to say that it's better or worse, but it, it is different. There's a distinct flavor to a mother's plea for ways of looking at, at these types of uh, challenges. Oh, absolutely. I mean, you want to make sure, yeah, it, it's, uh, it's a, there's a fine line, isn't there, between too much and not enough for a child, I guess. And you know what? That line is different for every Mm -hmm. child, Mm -hmm. and I would say that Mm -hmm. line moves with each child, sometimes on a week-to-week or day-to-day basis, which is why we've got to really keep, um, keep on our toes. And be um, just be aware. And so, so really, what this book is doing is providing road markers. I'm describing this as a journey, and I actually have checklists at the end of each of those four sections: the race for this and that type of independence. And so, the checklist is a great way to sort of be able to jump in and go, "Oh, um, how how am I doing? You know, have mm-hmm. I have I thought about, for example, in the physical independence? We can talk about that maybe for a moment. Mm-hmm. Um, so much of what goes on today." Um, in terms of teens needing to go off to college. A lot of this is financial, isn't it? Mm -hmm. So we've got young people who are going through a school system, and man, they can do geometry and algebra. I actually run a tutoring Mm -hmm. agency uh, up here in the San Fernando Valley called Valley Prep Tutoring. And so we're in Sherman Oaks, and we do a lot of test prep and that sort of thing. And, um, you know, Mm -hmm. it's it's fascinating to me the way that, uh, I don't know, I I feel like the the physical independence piece is, is... connected to all of that. Um, we're trying to get them to a place of uh, being able to function independently. We want them not to be clinging to us. So the financial, they can, on those SATs, guess what they know how to do? They can do the mm-hmm. geometry and the calculus, but ask them what a credit rating is. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And, and then listen to the crickets. <laughs> and, then, and then ask them how to get uh, a credit card or ask them mm-hmm. how to get a loan. Mm-hmm. Um, ask them if they understand how all these student loans, let's talk about student debt today. Mm-hmm. My goodness, what an out-of-control um, animal has been wrought on uh, an entire generation. Um, and, and I think, you know, a lot of, you know, the political systems now are jumping in and going, oh, wait, we have to do something about this because we're saddling our young people with usually it's about twenty-four dollars to $26,000 of debt as they're walking out with their BA. Mm-hmm. And then we're surprised that we have kids, what they're calling the boomerang generation, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. they boomerang right back home because they can't afford a house now that they've got that undergraduate degree. They've got, you know, $24,000 worth of debt. So that we've got to equip families uh, with information and strategies. And uh, there is a component of that among a lot of other very practical things, right? So I feel that sometimes school gives us theory, mm-hmm. and uh, I'm all for school. I was a school teacher. I'm a public school, mm. private schools, parochial schools. I taught in New York City. I taught in the D.C. area. Mm. I've taught out here in Los Angeles. Um, and I have to say, you know, I don't know. What we teach in school is important, but isn't it equally important that we give our, our students practical skills? Um, that they're going to need, and uh, and that's that's a big part of uh, the physical independence race that I described. Well, now, were you are you from originally the East Coast or California, or you know where were you raised? So, that's a fun question. I am from the East Coast. My father was in the Navy. Okay. I grew up in Manassas, Virginia, 
Mm. And uh, my dad, uh, after he finished the Navy, he worked at the Pentagon. So my dad was a true blue, red <laughs> truck driving, Republican, awesome guy. And uh, unfortunately, um, he passed in '03. But um, my mom is still in Northern Virginia. I go back to D.C. for holidays. And, uh, you know, yeah, I'm, a, I'm an East Coast gal. I uh, obviously was 15 years in, in New York City, actually, before going to Columbia. Um, I was under contract at ABC Television, so I've done quite a bit of on-camera work. And, um, you know, my my East Coast experiences, I think, sort of prepared me really in an interesting way for what has now come to pass in terms of uh, the development of this platform, uh, the A-plus parent, and, and you know, some of the exciting products I'm going to be bringing to the market next year to really empower parents. That's exciting. Very exciting. Could you share with listeners a little bit about how you feel about the cognitive independence and, you know, what parents need to help with their teens to think for themselves? Mm, well, um, mm-hmm. well, we we want them to, but then at the same time, it's always a little scary, you know, <laughs> because you just never know what a teenager is gonna gonna think or assume or perceive um, from 14 years of experience on the planet compared to you know most of the parents in their 30s and 40s. I think sometimes we get very frustrated um, that the student isn't thinking the way we are. And so one thing that this section um, does is it goes into a little bit of detail. It's not overly, you know, academic about it, but um, I want parents to understand the way the teenage brain develops, um, the the synapses that honestly they are not connected. I describe it as off-ramps from like the 405 that they just don't go anywhere yet. So (laughs) so do not drive your car up that ramp. Um, And don't expect a teen to think like a 25-year-old. Um, my daughter Hannah, um, at 14 or 15, the way she um, processed uh, impulse, for example, and uh, that sort of thing is just night and day 10 years later. Mm-hmm. And, of course, that's the case for most of us. There's just a growth period. But it's so difficult, I think, for some of us to be, to be patient as the student is. They're just, we're, they're, they're frustrated, too. We need to be patient mm-hmm. with them uh, and help them become question askers which is mm-hmm. a big part of this, not mm-hmm. just question answerers. Mm. So we need to really think about, again, this is something I've seen in the school system. Uh, so many uh, students have, have developed this unfortunate habit because of, you know, perhaps the idea of teaching to the test or the way certain styles of teaching are implemented um, in some schools, not in all. Most teachers are amazing, and high five to all the teachers out there because (laughs) talk about amazing Mm -hmm. work. And if you're a teacher and a parent, you get two high fives. Yeah, there you go. (laughs) (laughs) That's a double high five from me. Um, But, uh, you know, we want them to be able to ask questions, and that, that depth of inquiry Understanding why and how things happen, whether it's a math class or a social studies class, um, those are much more elevated ways of thinking than just a multiple choice question. And uh, a lot of students, um, I think, have unfortunately lost their joy in school as, as a result, maybe not a lot, that may not be, that may be an overstatement, but some have lost their joy as a result of just feeling that what they're being asked to do is fill a bucket with right answers. And Mm -hmm. they're not invited to the party. They're not invited to, you know, well, you know, well, gosh, we just read To Kill a Mockingbird, and and I really have some thoughts about this. And it reminds me of something that I read in, I don't know, Gatsby or The Odyssey. But there's no room for that because that's not one of answers A through E on the test I have to answer. (laughs) Um, And and it's so unfortunate. Um, I was actually an English teacher um, in the earlier part of my career, so I did a lot with 
um, you know, lit classes. And uh, you, if you want a, an opportunity to really connect with a teenager, start talking to them about uh, the books that they're reading, classics as well as pop culture. My daughters and I have bonded more over the Hunger Games trilogy than anything I could ever tell you. We went to the midnight showing when the first movie came out. We're already talking about the second movie. We can't wait to go. Um, and uh, it's a pop cultural novel, but through that story and through this character of Katniss and my daughters are they're just their imaginations are ignited by uh, by that entire um, you know character arc and um, I'm just so thrilled that um, you know we can think about that as a teachable moment for cognitive independence mm-hmm. because I love that they're they're like well gosh well this story it started off about a love story but now it's kind of political in the second one and wow in the third book it gets really scary and crazy and I'm like yeah that's what happens when societies you know and so then we can talk about dystopia and we can get into all this other stuff and of course it's annoying for them having a teacher for a mom but you know we we, we get by <laughs> <laughs> that's cute that's what about emotional independence I mean that's you know part of your race theory also um you know how what are the challenges especially for moms with that Mm. Um, the emotional piece is it's for dads too it's not just for moms Mm -hmm. of course I mean I I know dads that are just you know I mean some of them obviously raising their children alone uh, depending on the circumstances Mm -hmm. right Mm -hmm. um but emotional independence you know that old saying you've heard that uh time to loosen the apron string Mm -hmm. um I think that you know it's it's always about doing things in increments according to what the the child or teen is ready for, right? So we don't want to hand a shiny butcher knife to a two-year-old who's going to be like, oh, this is cool, you know, and get themselves hurt. Um, I think this is why we don't give our car keys to our 13-year-olds and our 14-year-olds. Hopefully not if we want our car to come back in one piece, right? Um, But uh, the emotional piece is, I think, probably one of the more challenging um, for a lot of us. I think it depends on the parent. Actually, I would put this out as a a challenge to the listeners today. Um, I'm describing four marathons. I would love to know from you if you want to uh, email me on the Mm -hmm. website. We can give them that at the end. Sure. I I would love to hear which marathon you find most challenging Mm -hmm. um, because Mm -hmm. I think it's different for all of us. Um, I think the emotional independence has probably been the most challenging for me, Um, and I don't know why that is, um, but it is... um, I think frightening for me, I, I can tell you anecdotally, when my first daughter was just, you know, maybe three years old or something, we lived in New York City, and we lived right by uh, the 85th Street playground there in Central Park, and I, I took her to the park, and she had climbed this big steel ladder, and and I had always just, you know, stood underneath this tall sort of climbing ladder to, to make sure she didn't fall, of course, right? Uh, and. You know, it, it was kind of hard to mentor me underneath, and it made sense that I would be protected. But there came the day, I kid you not, my daughter Hannah, with her little Oshkosh overall, <laughs> turned around and looked at me with such disdain <laughs> as I had my arms up just in case she fell. And she was like, Mom, I'm fine. Go sit on the bench. <laughs> so I, I think the emotional independence, I knew right then that this was not going to be my best race <laughs> because, I, you know, it's like, okay, you're three. I get it. You're probably fine, but... <laughs> I, I just wanted the bubble wrap just to be careful, just in case, you know. So, uh, but it didn't serve her. And even if she had fallen, I think she, what she was letting me know is, hey, I've got this. And even if I don't, I need you to let me try. Sure. No, I, 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 I agree. It, it's hard to, to let them try. Yeah, they have to try, try, try. <laughs> 
So, hey, what about spiritual independence? That's that's quite unusual for, you know, that that would be a a, a very interesting topic and interest to me, especially because I believe in spirituality. Why do you consider spiritual growth the glue that holds the other four races together? Oh, such a great question. Um, Oh, spiritual growth um, and... (laughs) You know, anything that is related to that which we cannot see, and I believe, and I know everyone has a different way of seeing things, but I believe that the real stuff of life is not even stuff we can see. It's not even stuff. The stuff isn't the stuff. It's the stuff we can't see. It's, it's, I mean, how do you describe what happens when, you're, when you just swell with um, a, a sense of awe when you're looking at, at a beautiful sunset on the ocean or you're looking at a million stars over a desert sky. How do we describe that? Um, now, my personal um, background, I was raised by a Catholic mom, um, and uh, my family and I, we, we attend a, a Christian church here in North Hollywood, and uh, it's wonderful. And, uh, you know, I think that religion and spirituality are two entirely different mm-hmm. things. So, so this book is not about... You know, believe this, believe that. This book is about our teens have um, a, a sort of, I believe, a vacuum or a need or a hunger, a curiosity maybe is the right word, to understand what are the different ways. So what I advocate for in this section is um, really allowing our young people to have as much information as possible about multiple worldviews. And that might surprise you. In fact, I was raised um, next door to my, my grandmother, my dad's mom, who was really Pentecostal. I had this, she, mm-hmm. I called her my nanny, because I'm in Virginia. I had a southern twang there, so it's probably like nanny. And I called her my <laughs> nanny. And she would take me to tent revival meetings. And um, she believed that, um, that really all, all I should have been exposed to was that worldview. And in fact, I remember her being quite nervous when I moved to New York and I was at Columbia. And I told her I was studying uh, Mahayana Buddhism for my uh, multicultural requirement. And she goes, oh, honey, why are you going to study that? <laughs> you know? um, and and, and what, she, what she really did understand, as I explained to her, and, and she was just such a wonderful and loving human being, but she had only grown up, you know, in, um, in a small town in Appalachia. She had an eighth-grade education. She didn't have the privilege of travel that I've had. And hopefully your parents that are listening today um, do have an appreciation that we're in a multicultural world. We can't put our kids in a cave and say, here's what you believe, and then seal it with a stone. They're, they're going to know Hindu, Muslim, Buddhist, mm-hmm. New Age, atheist, agnostic. They're going to know people who believe things that they've never heard of. Mm-hmm. And um, if we're going to come from a place of, of integrity, we absolutely must begin by honoring um, people's rights to that individual worldview while holding holding true to what we have come to know and believe is true in our lives. So it's a, it's a juggling act. But I think the, the mistake I've seen some parents make is it's sort of, I don't know, trying to, trying to edit um, the world because they, they so want the, the young person to espouse their exact. But I don't think we can inject faith like, a, like an inoculation into our young people. I think they have to come to their understanding. We can raise them up in the way they should go. Mm-hmm. The Bible says then when they're old, they won't depart from it. And, and uh, you know, I think that there are ways that that could be interpreted. But I do know that um, spiritual joy um, is something I want for my, I want for all my girls, regardless of what building they do or do not walk into on a Sunday. I want them to have an awe 
and a reverence for that which is not seen. And that's really, uh, I hope it doesn't sound too airy-fairy, but that is um, kind of in a nutshell what uh, I describe in that section of the book. Well, now, although your books are geared towards parents of teens, uh, how does that resonate with other other readers? Maybe we should give them to uh, parents when they, before they leave the hospital, huh? <laughs> <laughs> Pregnant mothers, you know. <laughs> Hand them out with the EPT test. <laughs> Maybe before they become pregnant. <laughs> I love it. Hand them out while they're dating. When the, when yeah. the sparkle is in the guy's eye. Here, read this book and then get back to me. <laughs> that's yeah, so that's funny. funny. Um, you know, I, I've had wonderful response um, as we've been um, sharing uh, sharing the manuscript around. It, honestly, um, I, I, just last night I was at an event and a wonderful lady, um, Emma Tibbins, who is a, a dear friend of mine, she lives down in the OC actually, she um, has a son, uh, Garrett I think is 11, and she said to me, Pamela, thank God you wrote this book, and I'm so glad that he's only 11 when I got this, because I, now I know what I'm in for, you know, <laughs> and uh, it meant a lot to me to have that endorsement from her and, uh, and others, you know, I've, I've just got so many wonderful um, pieces of feedback. So yes, it's not just parents of teens. I, I've had I had another endorsement come in today from. Uh, actually, I was really honored. My my mentor Joel Bauer um, sent me a beautiful testimonial about the book, which he's just recently uh, finished reading, and he said that he wished he had this book 21 years ago uh, because his kids are older teens and early 20s, and he said it it would have saved him an enormous amount of, um, you know, time. And he even actually said it would have saved uh, cost and money because there are strategies here that help parents to to make decisions in a way uh, that can save them not just uh, time and, and potentially heartache, um, but also potentially, you know, significant money in, in uh, the investments that they make for their teens. Well, I know we're running out of time, but I would like to, to help with the listeners a little bit for you to touch a little bit on the, the section of your book where you, you know, discuss some personal issues and everything, you know, such as your two divorces. And do you feel yeah. like that's a, a, a hindrance with it to, for A-plus material? How do you feel about that? <laughs> I don't feel very A-plus about having been divorced and um you know, and yet the statistics tell us that um, more of your listeners can relate with my feeling mm-hmm. that way than the ones who don't. I can. Um, <laughs> and, and so um, I think, you know, we can't live in glass houses and throw mm-hmm. stones. And I, I, would, I would hope that uh, no one would be in a position of, of judging me or anyone who has gone with a complete open heart to an altar and in a white dress and made vows that they absolutely meant and then found themselves quite devastated, um, you know, seven or 11 years later when things weren't um, what, you know, what they had expected them to be or, you know, hoped them to be. And, you know, the, the circumstances being private as they are, I can only tell you that I don't, I don't hold myself up and say, hey, I'm an A-plus parent. Hey, everybody, follow me. I'm the Pied Piper of perfection. On the contrary, I'm, uh, as I've already said, I'm in the trenches with you guys. Um, I'm a real person. I'm a real mom. My youngest daughter, Annabelle, is in eighth grade. So trust me when I tell you, I've wow. got some many miles uh, before mm-hmm. I rest. So I think that I'm uh, running that same marathon, and I have to do it in a human body because I am human, as we all are. Sure, and sure. Uh, I can only show up on a daily basis with my my highest intention to uh, be of service to my kids, hopefully to my readers, and uh, that's you know. And then you got to just lay your head on the pillow at night and say, 
I've done what I can. That's, yeah. that's the best I can do. Well, we all, like my sister said, we know better, we do better. She's a, a medic in the medical profession, and, and I think that's true. And we, once we go through things, we, you know, you've got a pretty impressive education here. <laughs> oh, you're very kind. Thank you. Could, could we give the listeners, um, before we end this, some information on how they could reach out to find you, your book, and, and, and everything? Thank you. Yes, we have a really cute website. It's called A Plus Parent. Dot org. So that's A-P-L-U-S parent.org. And, um, yeah, there's a, an email contact on there. I would love to hear from your listeners. I'd love especially to know what marathons they struggle with. Um, I would absolutely uh, be delighted to um, hear from anybody who uh, would like to continue um, a dialogue. I do have a free gift for your listeners, if I may. Okay. Uh, I have a 40-page ebook called Reality Check for Parents, and I would absolutely love to sh- uh, just share that as a gift. So if anyone wants to go onto the A-plus parent website, contact us at the email you'll find there. Um, I will, I'll send you that ebook free just as a gift, just so we can begin getting to know one another, and uh, that's kind of a nice place to start, I think, with a little just a little taste of some of the work that I can share uh, absolutely free. Well, you're listening to KUCI 88.9 FM in Irvine, California. The views on this show are not necessarily the views of KUCI, UCI, or its border regions. To learn more about our programs, log on to KUCI.org. And if you have any questions or feedback or anything for my programs, you can always reach me through OperationCommunityStimulus.com. Thank you. (laughs) Thanks so much. What you mean? What a wonderful world. How about all them walls all over the place? You call them wonderful? And how about hunger and pollution?